Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. Well, thanks for uh, joining us this morning, everyone. And uh, if you've had the, the chance to just slow down to worship with us and even to watch that encouraging interview with Rob, uh, we're really grateful for a chance to keep learning together. If we've never met, my name is uh, Dominic and I'm one of the leaders here at the 180. And uh, what, what, a, what a difficult week, I mean, for many of us. Even in this room, we were just chatting with some of the key leaders who are here, just how awkward it feels. You know, sometimes one speaking into a camera and hoping that someone's there. And, uh, and other times just feeling just the pressures of our week. You know, this was a kind of a stressful week for some of us, at least in, in Quebec, if you're watching for somewhere else, especially if you're watching from somewhere where it's warm on a beach, we do not care about you. We stopped praying for you a long time ago. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm kidding, but we felt it with our kids at home and navigating Zoom calls and homework and, and wanting things to get better, but realizing that they're not getting better as fast as we want them to. Uh, we feel all of those things. But one of the things we did last week is we made a commitment to think about 2022 as not just a year that started like COVID kind of overtaking our lives, but also deciding that we would commit the beginning of 2022 by rediscovering Jesus, by paying attention in a new way to what we know about Jesus, what we understand about Jesus. Or maybe for some of you, maybe it's a first step to even understanding why is Jesus important and unique in the world of belief and religion and God and all those questions. And so we're just happy that you're with us this morning. And I was thinking about a title for the sermon this morning and I thought about calling this morning, the sermon, some of you saw it on the slide, just the pain of new beginnings. And, and I think we always forget that. I mean, we know what physical pain is like, but we forget that there's a type of pain that actually prepares us for a new beginning that's awaiting us. I don't know if you felt this, but one of the images in the Bible for this is the image of birth pains, that in the pains of birth, there's a new start that's about to happen. And I thought about it this week as well. Some of our kids are just skating again or learning how to skate, and they feel the pain of new skates. And I keep encouraging them, saying, hey, those are normal pains of something new that you're starting. And a few days go by, and then the pain that they once felt is gone. And they're excited to skate. And so there's a kind of pain that we have to learn from that is really kind of the beginning of something new maybe that's starting. And I wish it was just kind of like helpful pain. Some of us know that there's also a part of that pain that's very disorienting. For some of us, it leads to anxiety. There's a fear of failure. There's a fear of, of the unknown. There's all kinds of other emotions that are connected to pain as well. And I thought about that this week as I had the opportunity, as some of you know this, especially if you're part of the 180 and you're aware of what's going on in the life of our church. Uh, I had the opportunity this week to share with some university students at McGill. And I had a chance to just share a little bit about God and COVID and questions related to that. And thank you for some of you were praying and some of you even asked if you could join in and listen in uh, on our YouTube feed. So if you're with us for the first time because of that connection, special welcome to you. You join in on a good Sunday as we're learning about Jesus and thinking about, you know, how hard it is sometimes to rethink what people told us about God or told us about Jesus. 
I think about those early years in university for me. There was incredible pain. I almost didn't know how to put words to the pain of wondering whether I wanted to keep believing what my family wanted me to believe, whether it was okay to doubt, whether it was okay to kind of make sense of new questions related to Jesus. I thought about that a lot, not only for my own journey, or for many of you maybe are watching or doubting or not sure. You think of someone that you know is just starting to begin to understand Jesus. And I want to encourage you to, to make room for people who are experiencing different types of pain associated with new beginnings, with starting brand new and thinking for, for the first time in a fresh way what it means to make room for people who are starting to explore how special, unique, and complicated following Jesus really, really is. You know, when we started the 180, we, we have a vision statement for the church. And before you see it on the screen, just a second, I, I just want to give you a chance to see how many of you maybe know what it is. If you had to explain to somebody what the 180 is about, obviously you would say, it's a, it's a great community. People are learning to love each other. We're not a perfect church by any means. Pastor might be really, really nice. Pastor Michael's wonderful. Me? Not always. But we, we have a lot of things that we connect to the church. But one of the things is really captured in our vision statement as a church. You'll see it on the screen. It's an important statement as we learn about Jesus that part of our vision statement is to teach and inspire others to love Jesus and to love like Jesus. I mean, this is one of the earliest things that we started to think about and dream about as we thought about a new church. What it would look like to make room for, for people who are doubting or struggling to begin to take steps not only to learn about who Jesus was, but to also love him, because knowing about him is not enough. He, he actually invited people to follow him and to love him, and also to love like him. Maybe you're just wondering about that, and I want to tell you something that I felt as I was preparing this week that I kind of assume, and maybe you've assumed this, that Jesus would just be lovable. I mean, I never think about people just not loving Jesus. Maybe that's one of those early memories of Jesus that I have. I'm like, everybody kind of likes Jesus. If you watch the movies of Jesus or a show, you're like, he seems like a nice guy. And, you know, you might disagree with him, but you can't not kind of like the Jesus guy. He's really, really friendly. I know people, even if you say one thing about Jesus that you disagree with, they get offended and upset. But if you go back to the Bible and we think about rediscovering Jesus, we realize that many of the people who are rediscovering Jesus for the first time, trying to make sense of who he was, they didn't always love Jesus. They weren't always ready to say they love you. Some of them weren't ready to follow him. Actually, some of his own family members struggled to figure out what to do with this Jesus person. And I want to read a passage for you. It's found in the Gospel of Mark. This is what it says. Maybe you'll feel the tension in the passage. It says this, Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. So lots of people are there. And when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. I mean, I don't know if you think about this, like his family members are in their minds saying, like, Jesus, like, why are you guys following him? The guy is crazy. I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up thinking about Jesus as like a crazy person. But the truth is, is that you read the Bible and you explore the Bible, and you really want to explore rediscovering Jesus, we just have to be honest. That following Jesus is not just a simple step of accepting him into your heart. That actually the truth is many of the people who were with Jesus, even his own family, they will struggle as some people say yes, and some people are struggling to be like, why are you listening to him? Like, he's just going crazy. He's saying strange things we don't even understand. And the biblical writers want us to feel that tension. Maybe you feel that tension today, and that's okay. The tension of not sure exactly how, not only to understand Jesus, but how to begin to maybe think about his life and his commandments and his way of life for your own life. 
That's what we hope this series really helps you to do. And, and I shared a confession last week about this, that when I started to learn about Jesus, I mean, I struggled with that a lot. I struggled with Jesus because I had all these preconceived ideas of who I wanted Jesus to be. Like, if you remember last week, one of my confessions was is that I wanted, to Jesus, I wanted a Jesus that just fixed some of my problems, and I wanted Jesus to do a miracle for my family. Maybe you know that, that, that experience of Jesus. Like, we love Jesus when Jesus kind of fits maybe a selfish need that we have. Now, what's beautiful about Jesus is that sometimes he does do miracles, but not always, at least not in the way we want him to. I also noticed this other pattern, and maybe this is another confession of mine about Jesus, is that I started to develop this simplistic view of Jesus. Like, not only did I have a selfish view of Jesus, then I had a very, very simplistic view of Jesus. And here's how that simplistic view of Jesus kind of developed in my life. Maybe you'll notice this in your life. Is I loved the Jesus that was all about relationships and that he hated religion. I don't know if you've ever heard about this Jesus. And you maybe hear it in churches. We use the language of like, Christianity is not about a religion. It's about a relationship. And that gets tagged on to some tweet or t-shirt or cup. I just want to tell you, like, if you're taking notes, you want to write this down. That's nonsense. So you want to write that down. That is nonsense. Okay? Because there is no such way of really understanding Jesus as someone who just helps us have a nice relationship with God. And actually, the more you rediscover Jesus, the more you realize you actually have to hold together a Jesus that takes religious and the religion of his time very seriously as well as relationships. So let me just show you this. Okay, just with a slide that I thought of would help you and it definitely helped me as I looked and rediscovered how the Bible talks about Jesus and the religious things that Jesus does. One, he's born into a family of priestly leaders. I mean, Zachariah and Elizabeth that are part of his family. Zachariah is a priest and John the Baptist, his cousin, is going to be a spiritual, almost like priestly figure, prophetic in some way. Mary and Joseph are faithful to the Torah. Jesus is often at the synagogue and at the temple. He affirms the Sabbath, which is an important teaching in the Jewish religion, and he corrects it when people misuse it. He he's like spends time at the temple, and he calls the temple, not class the temple, he calls the temple the house of his father. And after healing people, he often sends people to priests to say, go to the priest and follow the, what the law says after you're healed for that all to come together. So just as you think about this, maybe just like me, you are given this simplistic view of Jesus. Like that Jesus is all about just a relationship with God. And that's true, but you only really understand who that God is like when you learn about Jesus, who's giving shape to his story through a religious community called the Jewish people. So maybe that's a real rediscovery for you. Or maybe you want to take some time this week and slow down Maybe grab a journal and pray and think about maybe misconceptions that you have about Jesus. Maybe like me, you have a simplistic view of Jesus or maybe a more selfish view of Jesus or, or maybe kind of like energy source Jesus. I mean, there's books out there called The Cosmic Jesus and all kinds of ideas. And what we want to do in this series together is to just go back to the scriptures and to say, what does the Bible really reveal to us about Jesus? And if we don't actually do that and carefully allow God to stretch us and to grow, we actually become people who think we just know who Jesus is already. Some of the religious leaders in the Bible that Jesus is going to deal with, and you'll see in just a minute, they're people who just thought they just understood who God was. They understood how God was going to act. They understood everything that God was going to do. And they had nothing else to really learn about God. And actually, they actually don't like Jesus. Because Jesus is going to gently begin to push and to say, you need to reconsider and rethink who you think God is. Now imagine how strange it would be for me and maybe for you if you just hold on to a Jesus is about relationships and a Jesus is not into religion, and then you get to a part in the Bible that I want to spend time in today, 
Okay, so if you have a Bible, you're going to open it up in just a minute here. You know, is, is that Jesus does one of the most religious things you could ever do in the biblical world. Is Jesus gets baptized. I remember when I first learned that Jesus gets baptized, I was just so upset. I was like, what do you mean? I thought Jesus was against religion. I thought Jesus was against rituals. I thought Jesus was against about all these religious practices that people are like, well, that's the institution. And then you have Jesus, who's like the Jesus of just relationships, step into a moment that is going to be one of the most important religious moments in this new beginning that is going to be filled with pain. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but baptism is one of those moments in the Bible, and I'm going to talk about it in a minute if you're new to that idea of baptism, where the biblical language for baptism is that we would die so that Jesus could live in us. I don't know if you hear pain in that, like that you and I would die to ourselves so that a new beginning and something new could begin in us and that Jesus begins to model for us what that looks like when he himself does something very religious. He is about to be baptized. Now, if you have a Bible, you might know this, that all of the different writers in the Gospels, most of them will talk about Jesus' baptism. So if you don't believe anything about Jesus, and this is kind of a first step or an introduction for you, I want you to remember this, that the most historical thing we actually know about Jesus, one of the most historical things that we know, which is verifiable in very profound ways, is that Jesus of Nazareth was baptized by John the Baptist. That we know. Almost all the writers, some of them write in a really long section of it and some are really, really short. They want to tell us that there was something about understanding Jesus that led us all to the Jordan to watch him get baptized. And we're told that in Mark's gospel, in about 17 verses, uh, actually in Matthew's gospel, in about 17 verses that I want to walk you through, uh, just what begins to happen as people rediscover who this Jesus really, really is. I mean, some of his family maybe are still upset. They're like, this guy is like, I can't believe it. Now he's getting baptized. What's going on? Other people are like, we think this is the guy we've been waiting for. So just like us, right? They have all these questions. They're confused. And this is what the Bible tells us. It's really profound. In Matthew chapter 3, right at the beginning, that in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. And people went out to him from Jerusalem and all of Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. I mean, if you're learning to read your Bible, you know this, that sometimes the beginning of a story provides kind of the context of the whole story. If you're new to Bible reading and maybe this is still fresh, I mean, the learning series is definitely going to help you with this, but that it's easy to just see, see, hear or see a verse in the Bible and just pull it out of the whole story. So we want to teach you to do that together. But Matthew says that before Jesus gets to the Jordan, John the Baptist is already there baptizing people. And, and Matthew uses this profound language. It's the, the language of repent. I mean, I don't have positive feelings when I think of the word repent. I think of someone on the street with a sign yelling, uh, or like, I don't know if you have a, a negative experience, or early on my experience of like repent and believe in God had to do with watching some creepy weird thing on the internet and being like, or on TV when I was young and being like, is this really about God? Like, what does repent even mean? So let me make it simple, okay? The word repent is actually the word that helps us understand the name of our church. It means to turn. The actual Greek word means to turn or change direction or change your mind. That's what the Greek word means. And so the, the people who were starting to go to see John were saying, we are tired of living our lives the way we've lived it. We are tired of the brokenness of our world. We want God to turn things around and we will go first. 
We will come to the Jordan, and the language is important. They leave their communities and they go to the outside of the city. Going outside of the city was often the image of saying, we're going to go to the outside of the outskirts of the city and start to believe that God's going to do something from the outside in. This is kind of the biblical language also of a new king who would come into a, a city. They would come from the outside and they would make their way into the community. So this is language. Can you imagine the people who would pick up and take a day off work and tell their family, hey, I'm going to see John at the Jordan. I'm getting baptized today. Like, what would you say to them? Be like, what? What are you doing? Like all of us at some point know that a new beginning, especially a new beginning, that is connected to understanding or rediscovering Jesus begins with us wrestling with what am I look like for us to get baptized, for us to admit that we are tired of living life the way we've always lived it. There's no better time to do that and to take that step than the beginning maybe of a new year. For some of you, this is the year that you will be baptized, that you will understand Jesus in a fresh way and you will want to do what John says is happening, that people are repenting they're turning around, they're being baptized, very painful imagery of they're going into the water and coming up and saying, may this be symbolic of not only what's happening to me, but of what will happen to my community and to my neighbors and to my friends. And they are confessing their sins. That takes a, that's painful. Have you ever tried to do some confessing and to express some of your deepest regrets and some of the mistakes you've made and some of the things that you've not only done by mistake, but you've done intentionally? that have hurt other people, confession is painful. But there's no way around this with Jesus. Right at the beginning of Matthew's gospel, if you want to get to the real Jesus, you have to first start to hear that there's a painful honesty of confessing and turning around that people are experiencing in the story. And that's not enough. John will tell us something really, really profound. It tells us in this, in this passage of Matthew here that John sees some people who think that they don't have to confess. And actually, they're the religious leaders of the time. They actually know that John is baptizing people and John is going to have some mean things to say about them. And this is what John says. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, these religious leaders, he said to them, you brood of vipers. Whoa, baptism got intense fast. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I mean, if you needed more painful language for this new beginning, you just got it. That there's this beautiful imagery of water and of cleansing, but John says, let's make this beginning just a little bit more painful for you. That for some of you who think that you do not have to confess, for some of you who think you've always understood God and the way God works, the one who is coming will baptize you with fire. I mean, wow, I don't want any of that. You're asking me, like, I'm like, I'm good just with the water. <laughs> you know, there's a sense that the language of purification comes to us in the Bible with both the language of water and of cleaning, but also of purification of fire. And John the Baptist is preparing things and preparing the way and starting to create a space in which people are ready to receive who Jesus really, really is. Remember, all along, knowing that some people want nothing to do with Jesus. I think of many times in my life where my life has looked more like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I've had seasons in my life where I'm like, I know the Bible stories. I, I went to Bible school. I, I've heard this my whole life. I don't need any of this. You know, you ever happened, happened to you? Especially if you were born in church or you're kind of born in the story of Christianity, it's the most dangerous place to be sometimes because you almost get so comfortable knowing the story, just like those Pharisees and Sadducees. And sometimes it takes a painful awakening 
for God to say, hey, hey, you need to see this in a new way. You too need to confess. You too need to feel the pain of a new beginning. And the challenge is, is that if you're always born in the story of Christianity, or you kind of know really well, or you're, you know, grew up in church, you don't, you, you don't really remember the pain of that new beginning. You don't remember the way God had to stretch you for you to confess and grow. You've kind of always been in it. Or maybe I have some friends that I know, or you know some people that have been baptized as children. And that can be a beautiful practice. And if you're, again, if you've been in our learning series and we talk about baptism in different contexts of Christianity, that sometimes even a baptism as a child requires a reconfirming of saying, I'm ready for the pain that will come with this new beginning of saying yes to Jesus, of rediscovering who he really, really is. I mean, we go through the story and we read it and all of a sudden, just when we kind of are waiting for it, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the people and the kids and the water and the heat we're ready. We're almost not almost ready for it. Jesus shows up. It's his turn now. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And you come to, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It, it is proper, proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. I mean, this is the moment where if you really wanted to rediscover Jesus, you got to deal with this religious moment right here. That Jesus says to John, John, it's time I must be baptized now. I want you to maybe take a few notes and remember and feel this. That Jesus is the first person that John is about to baptize who has nothing to confess. First one. And John is very much aware that this is very, very special. There's no waiting. There's no a chance to, for Jesus to express all of his sins and all the bad stuff he's done. He's come symbolically not to be washed of his sins the way we are baptized. But symbolically, Jesus comes not to confess, but to confront all of those who think they have no sin. He's come in this baptism to say that this new beginning, which is the beginning of his ministry, the beginning of people learning who he really, really is, must go through the water. Maybe, like, can you imagine this? The one that will soon walk on water is going to allow himself to be baptized in the water. This is a profound moment for us. And a profound moment that in this time, Jesus is about to do something that he invites us to do and he invites other people to begin to follow him and to experience a kind of death because all new beginnings with Jesus require a certain sense of pain. They come with a certain sense of like complexity and arguing and maybe internal conflict and questions. John the Baptist is feeling this with Jesus. I wish we could hear more of like just their chat together in the water. I know there's this moment where you're like, what is about to happen next? And Jesus almost refers to the teachings of the prophets, like this has to happen. This is an important moment for people to understand that baptism is a moment of obedience that people will, will come back to. And all of the writers of the Gospels will go back to this moment where Jesus is baptized. And that's not enough because that would be easy. Jesus is baptized, we move on. No, no, we're given this tidal wave of theological ideas to think about after Jesus is baptized because this is what we're told. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, like a light lit up, like almost like a light on me right here in this room. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This would have been such a painful thing to think through, especially if you were a Jewish person. 
And especially if you're someone who's coming to the story of Jesus in a fresh way, that this is one of the first first times, I guess, in the story of Jesus where we feel that to say yes to Jesus is to say yes to God the Father who is present, God the Holy Spirit who is present, and Jesus the Son who is being baptized who is present. This is a deep theological moment of painful learning for those of us who are Christians. Because to say we're Christians is to say we believe in a God who is Trinitarian from the beginning. And right from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, there's this painful moment of like, I got to kind of rethink some things of what I thought about God. I remember going through that and thinking, I don't even know how to explain what that means. So there's three in one, one in three. All of the painful mysteries of saying yes to Jesus are there right at the beginning of his baptism. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just make Jesus kind of relationship Jesus? It'd be nice if we could just go back to Jesus, just like a friendly relationship in your heart. And then you read the Bible and you're like, Jesus doesn't allow any of us to do that. He's like, no, no, you're going to experience something very religious. I'm about to be baptized. And you're going to get punched in the face with theological complexity that you will think about for the rest of your life. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Think about that. Anytime we step into a conversation to rediscover Jesus, we step into the mystery and the paradox and the beauty of a Jesus who says it's not enough to just follow me. You must actually learn to love me and embrace me in the mystery of who I am. And some of us know this, that we've been living our whole lives just taking baby steps, getting closer to rediscover who is this Jesus and what does he want with us? I'm going to wrap up in a second and I want to just remind you that if baptism was important for Jesus, there's something symbolic that reminds us of why it's so important for us. Because there's something in this moment of baptism that is not only about the confession that we have to enter into, but there's this profound moment that at Jesus' baptism, his identity as the Son of God is not only affirmed, but the power of God who is with him now to begin his ministry is with him. It's a, it's a great reminder for the kind of power that we need as we decide that we're going to follow Jesus. Now, if you have a Bible and you're reading this in your Bible or maybe you're going to get a chance to look at this later, you know that this is how the end of chapter 3 ends in your Bible. Like, it's almost like this is the section of your Bible where you would almost close your Bible and go do something else. You know, chapters and verses and numbers in the Bible like that we have were a later edition. It happens later and scholars put those in there to help us kind of read sections. And whenever I I, I read about Jesus' baptism, it always bothers me when I see the end of this chapter there because I think we should always see Jesus' baptism with the first verse of chapter 4 of Matthew. And I have it on the screen for you so you can see it. This is what it says right at the beginning there of Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Imagine that there's no stop and no chapter. You go right to the next section. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Can you imagine that when you feel that his baptism is a moment and almost a launching pad for him to walk out of the water and into the wilderness, and be tempted by the devil. I mean, that was such a mind-blowing thing for me when I reflected on my own baptism. I mean, I think about baptism, and I think of for people who commit to Jesus, that it's easy to be like, well, I want a Jesus that as I commit to him, he's going to kind of help me, and my life is going to get better. And things will be better, and hopefully improve, and life will just go on, and we feel that Jesus is not only baptized, but now he says, for those of you who are going to be baptized, For those of you who are really ready to follow me, know that there will be times in the wilderness where God will allow the devil to tempt you 
and the power that is available to you because of this moment of this baptism is going to take you through moments of temptation and pain where God reminds us that he's with us even in the wilderness. This is such an easy thing to miss, right? When you read your Bible, you read at the end of chapter three and you close your Bible and you get to the beginning of chapter four and you're kind of like, oh, it's like a new day or stuff. But I think that there's something important that we need to hold together. That Jesus is baptized and now he's about to be tempted by the devil. And if you know anything about the temptations of the devil, you might have time this week to go and read chapter four of Matthew. Throughout all of those temptations, the devil is gonna tempt to get Jesus to question the things that were said to him at his baptism. Really the son of God? Really the power of God? Really you're the one? Really all of these doubts that stir up, the devil stirs up, are doubts that we feel as we think about the pain of a new beginning. Really, you're gonna get baptized? Really, you're gonna follow Jesus this year? And the answer is yes to all of those things because no one gets to Jesus without first seeing that as he's baptized, he invites those who follow him to do the same thing. In a few weeks, we're gonna see how at the end of Jesus' life, he's gonna tell his disciples, hey, you now go and baptize other people in my name. Maybe for you this morning, this is still like brand new. It's like overwhelming and stressful and you're like, oh, it's so much to think about. It'd be so much better if I could just hold on to like simplicity Jesus or relationship-friendly Jesus. I wish we could too. But thank God that we have the scriptures. And thank God that the scriptures are a gift to us to shape and mold and correct us when we want to make Jesus into something that he's not. I think that whenever we take Jesus and we remove him from the truth of his story, we can almost be tempted to make Jesus in whoever we want him to be. And we pray that this series protects us from doing that. And that we together remember that Jesus is inviting all of us to get serious about what it meant that we were once baptized. And that that means that we were going to live lives that would require the power of the Spirit to be obedient to the ways of Jesus. And maybe for some of you, like I said, you've never been baptized. And we want to encourage you maybe to send us a note and follow along in this teaching series with us. And we look forward to maybe introducing you in the next few weeks, a date when a baptism will be available. We're going to do baptisms here again soon. Things will eventually open up. And so can I encourage you this week to maybe slow down enough to maybe read Matthew chapter 3, pay attention to maybe the habits maybe of the religious leaders like myself of just saying, I know this story, I don't need this, and understand that God is calling us to confess and to follow and to be those who get serious about rediscovering the real Jesus instead of the Jesus we just want him to be. Let me just pray for us as we close this morning. Father, we are so grateful for a chance to learn and as difficult as this is, we thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for the Bible that has been passed on and handed on to us by the power of the Holy Spirit to make sure that we don't distort Jesus into someone we want him to be. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that was with Jesus and that is available to us now to be those who have the power to be obedient today the way Jesus was obedient when you called him to do what he needed to do for us. I pray for those maybe watching and still bring you to this story. I pray that you would help us as a church to walk with them when they feel the fear maybe of running away because of the pain or unsure about what to do with the pain of new beginnings that you would remind them as you've reminded us that that's very normal, that it's been happening from the beginning and that your strength and your power is with us even in the wilderness. 
the way you were with Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Hey, thanks everyone for tuning in. I want to just remind you, if you're one of our young adults, that uh, we have a young adults date coming up and uh, just a connection point for our young adults. And, you know, we try our best as, uh, as COVID restrictions continue to just stay connected and keep uh, different aspects of our church family connected. And so for ministry partners, see you tomorrow night. And for everyone else, God bless. See you soon. Bye, everyone.